In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. As has been our custom, this is the second Sunday of Thanksgiving. Last Sunday, and throughout this past week, we focused specifically on the blessings of the harvest, Harvest Thanksgiving. Today our focus is on the Lord's blessings on us as a nation, National Thanksgiving. What would you put on your list of things that God has blessed Canada with? There's no debating how blessed we are, but there are probably many opinions on which of God's blessings to us is most important. Here are a few things that are mentioned if you Google what makes Canada unique. One that's mentioned is space, geographical, geographical space. Canada takes up 9,984,670 square kilometers, almost 10 million square kilometers, second only to Russia, slightly more than the United States and slightly more than China. But our population is only 38 million compared to 331 million of the United States and compared to 1.4 billion in China. So space is something the Lord has blessed us with abundantly. Canada also holds 60% of all the lakes in the world. So we have the tremendous blessing of being bordered on three sides by salt water, as well as this incredible freshwater resource. A third blessing is our multicultural heritage. Canada is home to people from all over the planet. And our willingness to live together and to learn from each other is no small thing. Think of that in terms of the world's history and track record. Think of the fact that our country is comprised of 10 provinces and three territories stretched across almost 10 million square kilometers, and yet we are one nation. Sure, there are all kinds of challenges, like the challenges of living together in a family. I'm not denying that. But there are certainly blessings, and our unity, in spite of all the odds, is a blessing. Perhaps a final blessing to be noted, at least for now, is our freedom. We are governed by a democratic system. It is certainly not perfect. But what worldly system is perfect? I recognize that over the past 50 years, we've witnessed a change in the willingness of our federal, provincial, and municipal governments to operate according to the Christian faith. Canada was founded as a Christian nation. Our motto since 1921 
has been that the Lord would have dominion from sea to sea and from river under the ends of the earth. That motto, when Canada was just in its infancy, was taken from Psalm 72, verse 8. Sadly, however, in following the ways of the world, we have embraced a secular mindset and culture and left this model. At least, we've left it in the spirit of that model. This is something the Lord warned Israel not to do. For example, at the end of today's lesson, His word is, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping His commandments and His judgments and His statutes which I command thee this day. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping His commandments and His judgments and His statutes. And yet in a very short period of time, Canada has moved from a church-going nation where the Bible was read and the Lord's Prayer was prayed every day in school to a nation that no longer values the fourth commandment, which is to keep the Sabbath day holy. We could go on and on and make quite a complaining session out of this sermon, but what end would that serve? We could make a list of hypocritical and inconsistent government policies as long as my arm, and many of us, myself included, would, would, would get all worked up and have a nosebleed. Let's not do that this morning. Instead, how about taking a few minutes to reflect on what the church can do to bear witness to the living God in Canada? The living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How can the church bear witness to Him by keeping His commandments? In spite of Canada's secular culture, Christians still have a lot of freedom to live and practice our faith. How can we use that freedom for God's glory? Back to the first verse in today's lesson. Thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, to walk in His ways and to fear Him. As children of God and members of Christ, our primary use of our freedom should be to keep God's commandments. As you know, we've been given ten of these. The first four speak about our relationship with God. We are to have no other gods but the Lord God. We are not to make or worship idols. We are not to take the Lord's name in vain. And we're to keep the Sabbath day holy. The last six commandments speak of the relationship, the kind of relationship we are to have with our neighbor, with one another. We're to honor our parents. We are not to commit murder or, as Jesus explained, not even to hold a grudge. We're not to commit adultery, nor are we to steal or to lie or to covet. Jesus summarized these Ten Commandments by saying, 
Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So here's the thing. In spite of Canada's backsliding, Christians still have a great deal of freedom. We also have received clear instruction to keep God's commandments. We have freedom, we have instruction. So given our Canadian context or makeup, what can the church do to glorify God? From what the Bible teaches, we believe that the kingdom of God is not limited to a physical or territorial reign. In other words, God's power is not dependent on a military force or on a sympathetic government. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, one that involves invisible realms and a myriad of spiritual forces constituted by angels and archangels and rank upon rank of heavenly beings, including seraphim and cherubim, virtues and thrones, dominions, princedoms and powers. We have freedom. We have instruction to keep his commandments. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. What then can the church do to bring glory to God in Canada with these benefits he's given us? I believe that the gospel today gives us a great clue. In it we have the familiar miraculous account of the healing of the ten lepers. Stop there for a minute. Ten lepers. Ten men who were ostracized from their families because of their sickness. Ten men who had been tested and diagnosed with what was feared to be a highly contagious disease. Essentially, they had been rejected and were outlawed from their support system. They were self-isolating for the rest of their life. They had to stay so many meters downwind of everyone. And they had to holler out a warning if anyone approached them. For all intents and purposes, their lives were over. And yet Jesus spoke to them a healing word a life-changing word, and he caused them to be miraculously cleansed. He gave them their lives back. By doing this, the Lord demonstrated what the commandments demand. The last six commandments are summed up in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus loved those ten lepers. He cared about their future and their families. He yearned for them to be whole again. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And of course, that was not an isolated event in Jesus' ministry. Over and over again, he demonstrated his love for God by loving people, people in need like you and me. 
Isn't that what his sacrifice on the cross was all about? Him loving the neighbor. He gave himself up to the scorn and the humiliation of the world and stretched out his arms on the holy cross and suffered and bled and died there for us. Us, the spiritual lepers and the miserable sinners that we are. I did not deserve his mercy and I cannot repay him in any way. But with his help and grace, what I can do is believe in him. I can accept his offering with gratitude. And I can demonstrate my love for him by loving my neighbor. Maybe you think this is all just a benign, liberal rendering of the gospel. Maybe you think this is an obvious point that is so obvious it's ridiculous even to mention. Surely the church has more important work to do than this. Surely there is something bigger and more exciting. Surely there's a cause requiring real courage and a demonstration of true grit. Something more than loving your neighbor. Well, think again. Let's think again. Let's think about the cross. Think again about the fact that Jesus never defined the limits of this love that we are to have for each other. He never said, love your neighbor three times, and that's good enough. Instead, he extended indefinitely our understanding of neighbor. He did that when he said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He did that when he answered Peter and said, forgive 70 times 7, not 7 times. By taking time to heal those 10 lepers, he made himself perfectly clear. And by hanging on the cross for us, he showed the extent of God's everlasting love, that love that we are to imitate. In 1993, Canadian Lieutenant General Romeo Dallaire served in Rwanda as a United Nations Force Commander. He later wrote a book called Shake Hands with the Devil. The back cover of that book describes how he and his small band of peacekeepers found themselves abandoned by the world's major powers in Rwanda in a vortex of civil war and genocide. And being abandoned by the world's major powers this little group of peacekeepers witnessed the murder of 800,000 Rwandans in just over three months. 800,000 murders in just a hundred days. Think for a second 
of what that must have looked like and try to engage your senses on all fronts. At the end of his book, Dallaire draws these, these conclusions after years and years of nightmares, daily reliving the horrors of his command. He said, Canada and other peacekeeping nations have become accustomed to acting if and only if international public opinion will support them. A dangerous path that leads to a moral relativism in which a country risks losing sight of the difference between good and evil. Canada and other peacekeeping nations have become accustomed to acting if and only if international public opinion will support them. He goes on to say, several times in this book I've asked the question, are we all human? Or are some more human than others? Are we all human or are some more human than others? If we believe that all humans are human, then how are we going to prove it? As soldiers, we've been used to moving mountains to protect Canada's sovereignty or risks to our way of life. In the future, we must be prepared to move beyond national self-interest, to spend our resources and spill our blood for humanity. Romeo Dallaire's powerful plea can, in my opinion, only be fully understood in light of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We have to move beyond self-interest, Dallaire says, and be willing to spend our resources and spill our blood for humanity. How can that fully be understood or referenced without the cross of Jesus? How can we as a nation be inspired to do what the Lair says needs to be done without faith in the one who came and gave himself completely for us? There needs to be an inner moving, an inner motivation to give selflessly if we are to follow after his words. And I would suggest that only faith in Christ can move us to that kind of sacrifice. Dallaire speaks of the paralyzing effect of acting out of self-interest, of acting only when the end of the action brings some benefit to me. But Jesus calls me to deny myself to take up my cross and to follow him. As the church, the answer about glorifying God is right here with the miracle of the healing of the ten lepers. 
moving beyond self-interest to love the neighbor when it's not easy, when it's not convenient, and when it involves spending my own resources and myself. Loving our neighbor, truly loving our neighbor, requires us to see every human being as an image-bearer of God, as someone loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, and someone for whom he shed his precious blood. There's nothing liberal about that kind of sacrifice. In closing, I would suggest that as we continue in this pandemic, as Canada, as Canada moves deeper into this second wave, and when we begin to realize and feel the financial effects of this pandemic, the work of loving our neighbor is going to get a lot harder. And it's going to be absolutely critical. And the secular society in which we live is not going to understand or want to make that commitment. Because it will involve moving beyond self-interest. It's easy to love those who love us. But as we all experience the financial squeeze of the hundreds of billions of dollars spent to keep households and businesses afloat, looking beyond self-interest and actually loving one another with sacrifice and true love is going to be challenging. This is where the church, this is where the people of God need to lead the secular Canadian culture. The culture will know that we are Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, by our love, by our willingness to care for those who are labeled as lepers. May the Lord help us to be willing to take up this cross of love and spend ourselves for His glory knowing that Jesus spent himself for our salvation. And now unto God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, be ascribed all might, majesty, dominion, power, honor, and glory, as is most justly due, henceforth and forevermore. Amen. Amen.